Hey, good morning, afternoon, evening, Faith Church and friends. Whenever you're watching this, we're glad you could join us. I'm Jeff Schultz, one of the pastors here at Faith, along with Joey Wiesman. Hey. And today we are continuing our study in the life of the Spirit, how God grows us to experience more of Christ and reflect more of Him in our lives. And today we're continuing with another of those flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. That's right. We're talking about patience. And this is where it feels obligatory at this point that I begin the sermon with a personal story about how I have failed in patience or about how the coronavirus quarantine is showing that I'm maybe not as maturely developed in patience as, uh, you know, I should be. Uh, But I'm not going to do that. Uh, Instead, I'm going to let you share uh, just some story of you being impatient. (laughs) Um... I'm just kidding. We're, we're, uh, but I'm, I'm guessing people at home are thinking, uh, oh boy, we're talking about patience. I hope the people who know me best don't email me a link to this sermon later and be like, hey, you should really listen to this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we all struggle with patience, right? Uh, it is, uh, you know, I've, I've referred to this guy N.T. Wright in his book, After You Believe, a couple of times. This is really, really helpful in this whole thing. I love what he says about patience. He says it, it's a virtue that we applaud. We applaud patience, but we prefer it to be a virtue that others possess. <laughs> yeah, that does hit home. Uh, guilty as charged. I want people to be patient with me. Mm-hmm. Much more than I want to actually yeah. develop patience myself, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, it hurts because it's true. Uh, patience as we tackle it this week, this is the fourth of the nine flavors of the Spirit. Um, You can name all nine, right? Right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And and we've talked about how all of these overlap because there's one fruit of the Spirit, and this is not a comprehensive list. There's humility. Right. Uh, So there's, uh, you know, the, the list that Paul goes through in Galatians 5 is kind of a summary but he really expands on that in all his letters. All, right? uh, all over the place in the New Testament, of course, we see all of these virtues or these fruit expanded in different ways. And this week we're looking at patience from James. Uh, in James chapter 5, uh, beginning there at verse 7, uh, verse 7, we're looking at this passage because he combines in his discussion of patience two, uh, two aspects, two facets of this particular fruit okay. that will be fruitful for us to explore. Uh, two facets that, that we should understand, right? There's, there's the self-restraint that keeps us from retaliating when individuals, when people have wronged us. Okay. And so not striking back. Not striking back. And there's the self-restraint that keeps us from giving into despair when circumstances mm. offend us. Mm. So when I say patience throughout this sermon, I, I'm talking about patient endurance, or an enduring patience, right? So I'm talking about this fruit that uh, has, um, has something to say both to how we interact with other people and how we bear up under circumstances. Because we're going to have situations all the time where we're tempted to be impatient, absolutely uh, angry, frustrated, yeah. hopeless. Yeah, we need both aspects of this because right now we're bearing up under difficult quarantine circumstances with people who are constantly offending us. Right? So, Except the people around me. Of course, yes. Yeah, uh, present households excluded. <laughs> so let's jump in. I, I first want to explore uh, what patience is. Okay, so I've got three questions here. What yeah. is it? 
Yeah, okay. you, you talked a little bit about patient endurance. What? Uh, yeah, w what is that? Let's okay. define it. Okay. Second, what does patience protect us against? Okay. Patience actually goes kind of in front of us as a shield and protects us against something. I want to bring that up. And then thirdly, of course, well, how do we grow in it? That's the application question. What are we going to do with this? How do we grow in patience? So let's start with what is it? Okay. What is patience? And turn to James 5, 7. You're already there. Hopefully everybody at home is already there. Uh, let me read verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers or brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Hey, that's patient. a that's a great command. I mean, it makes sense. And yeah. I, I know that I heard my parents tell me that. I remember my grandmother, in fact, saying, <laughs> now, Jeff, count to 10, when yes, I would start to get to angry. And to me, it felt like uh, in a boxing match, you go to your neutral corner, count to 10, and then mm -hmm. come out and start swinging again. Oh, I heard be patient all the time, mostly when my parents were impatient with my impatience. They would just shout, be patient, right? <laughs> Try yes. to get me to, to, yeah. to calm down. Now, be patient. You got to love commands like this because it assumes we know what he's talking about when he says patience. Mm. Be patient. But a, a lot of us, uh, myself included, are a lot like, um, you know, the four or five-year-old who is told to pay attention. Okay. As if they automatically know what that means right. and how to do it. Right. Right. We, you have to teach children how to pay attention and model it for them and show it to them. In the same way with patience, you have to teach people, children and adults, how to be patient, model it, show it in action in order to grow in it. So the command assumes we know what it means. Jeff, what is patience? That's what you're going to help us understand. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, the way we use the word today, it generally means to be able to wait calmly mm, or non-anxiously, right. uh, to right. wait expectantly. I mean, that's, so you mentioned that earlier, self-restraint yes. is part of it? Self-restraint is part of okay. it, yeah. So, for example, uh, our daughter is nine, and when we go to the grocery store, often, I mean, the, the grocery store, waiting in line at the grocery store is like the example of patience that everybody goes to. And I'm going to go to it half a dozen times in this, this discussion. But when we take our daughter to the store and we're standing in line, and the line isn't moving very fast, inevitably I find myself saying, okay, Anna, this is an opportunity for us to practice patience. Sure. Right? Yeah. Sure. Which, which of course, is a great thing for her to learn, but um, maybe we don't always model that either because I know, like, if I'm telling my kids to be patient, but they see me looking for the next line I can jump in right, or, right. you know, this car is moving too slowly and I, I need to get around them so I can go faster. Right. It's like, oh, I'm willing to be patient until there's an opportunity for me to not have to be patient anymore. Mm. Right. But do you ever find yourself standing in line at the store and watching the other lines around you go faster and saying, you know what? I chose this line. I can be patient in this line and just waiting. I don't have to be patient in the grocery line, no matter how long the line is, because I have one of these. Okay. So I can pull up Candy Crush and I can crush some candies for the 10 minutes or 20 minutes or however long I'm in line. Uh, Who needs patience when you can have distraction or entertainment? I saw an uh, ad recently on TV that said, hey, we know what you need during this quarantine. You need high-speed internet and unlimited entertainment. Yeah, uh, you've said before that like a lot of people have observed, maybe one of the things the pandemic is doing is surfacing what's inside our hearts. Mm -hmm. And and it makes me think of uh, a inside a maxim from French 
Christian philosopher, scientist Blaise Pascal, uh, all of man's unhappiness comes from one single thing, the inability to sit quietly in a room by himself for 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. How often am I willing to just be quiet? So one more example. This one comes from the text. Uh, verse 7, again, it said, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. You see, what's happening in verse 7, the, uh, the person who needs to be patient is borrowing from a future certainty, a future fulfillment, and saying, because I know that fulfillment of a present desire is coming in the future, I can wait. I can be patient. I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to frantically work for it. Be patient because God is coming back. There's a future certainty that we can pull into the present in order to have patience with our circumstances or with the people around us right now. So patient, patient endurance. Mm -hmm. Or uh, enduring patience. Yeah, yep. we, I mean, we've got pictures of it. What, yep. I mean, is there a way to define that? Like yes, yes, I'm glad you asked. So here's my definition of patience or, or patient endurance. Patient endurance is the insertion, the, so I'm making a choice to insert active time between a desire and the fulfillment of that desire. To insert time. So to insert time, exactly. Explain that. Okay, so I know it sounds a little weird, but I think we get this intuitively when like your five-year-old is melting down because they want a candy bar at the convenience store. And you're like, just wait, mm. stop, mm. right? You're saying you have a desire, let's put some time in before the fulfillment. Okay. Okay. So it's this insertion of active time between the desire and the fulfillment. So um, say someone has offended you, right? Cut you off in traffic or said something rude or hurtful to you or hurt you in some way, right? What we want to do is retaliate. But between the desire to retaliate and the fulfillment of that desire to punch you in the nose or whatever, we put, we say, no, I'm putting in time. That's okay. patience. Or say you are working towards some good end. You're, you're working to create some sort of good or achieve some sort of good, like a graduation, right? Or a marriage uh, or a deep friendship. Um, you're working towards this good thing and it's difficult. All good things are difficult. So you have the desire for the realization of that good thing. You have the desire for the good and its fulfillment Patience is the time in between. Right. Uh, we usually use the word perseverance okay. to describe that kind of, I'm working for something good, but it's not happening yet. I need to keep working at it. Right. Persevere. Right. Okay. So that's where patient endurance comes in. Yeah. And, and there's, there's kind of even and a third flavor. You're in difficult circumstances. Right. So an unfulfilling marriage or rebellious children or extended singleness or an unsatisfying dead-end job or belligerent co-workers or a failing business or an economic downturn or stay-at-home orders or an inability to gather and worship or a sense of being untethered and unmoored during quarantine and disconnected from the broader rhythms of the world, right? Okay. Insert time between your desire for relief from those circumstances and the fulfillment of the desire, and that's patience. 
it's the facet of patience that we, yeah. we usually describe okay. with the word endurance. So there's an intentionality to it. It doesn't just, exactly. like you said, it doesn't just happen. We're active. We are, yeah, we're active, not just in inserting the time, but in actually what we do in mm, that time. Not okay? just counting to 10. Not just counting to 10, but doing something during the counting. See, I, I very intentionally am using the word active because it is not passive. Patience is never passive. I'll say it again, and I'm going to look right down the barrel of the camera at everybody at home. Patience is never passive. There's always something. Let me put it this way. There are people who look patient, but they really just don't give a rip. Hmm. Right? They never get offended by anything. They don't care about anything enough to be impatient for some good to happen. Or they've been hurt enough that they're like, you know what? Here's what I've realized. Everything I've ever cared about has let me down. I'll just stop caring. That's one way to go about life, but it's not a very human type of life. So resignation or slothfulness or just a lack of care, that is not patience. Right. The patient person can be angry. They can be hot. They can be, uh, they can be moving. They can be getting things done and yet also be ultimately patient in how they're going about these things. So patience is never passive. When we're being patient, we're actually very active. There's at least three things that we're doing during this active time. And the first is we're examining the desire itself because the desire has to be a good desire in order for us to actually be patient in the achieving of that desire. When your grandmother tells you, hey, Jeff, count to 10, right? What you should do with that time, if you're a thoughtful and mature five-year-old, is think, well, is my desire to wail on my brother a good desire? And you come to the realization of, oh, no, it's not. I was offended, but the way I wanted to respond to that offense is not a good response. It's not a good desire. So patience keeps us from punching each other in the faces or parenting keeps us from punching each other in the faces. Patience keeps us from cutting each other down with, uh, with our words, with biting humor, uh, with the way we subtly undercut one another. Patience sits back. Mm. Patience keeps us from lashing out at people with our hearts or our wills, you know, desiring your brother's destruction, laughing and rejoicing when something bad happens to him, harboring bitterness towards the person who offended you. Patience isn't just not punching them in the face, but then feeling all those things. Mm. Patience is also pushing off all of those improper ways to fulfill an improper desire or an inordinate desire. So patience is active in examining the desire. Is this an, an inordinate desire or is it actually a good desire, something I should be working for or working toward or wanting to see happen or wanting to see happen faster than it is? Uh, but second, uh, patience also gives us time. So the active, the inserting of active time between the desire and the fulfillment gives us time to examine the fulfillment. Am I going about this in a wrong way? Okay, so is it a bad desire? And then it's, well, is it a bad means to fulfill that desire? Okay, so you may want a good thing and yet go about all the wrong ways, go about getting it in all these wrong ways. Mm. So 
patience, the insertion of active time between the desire and the fulfillment of that desire gives us a chance to pause and say, is this a good desire? But also, am I going about this desire in a good way or not? And there's a third thing that we examine during this very active time, not just the desire, not just the fulfillment of the desire, but this also, this time in the middle helps us re-examine our timing itself. Mm, so okay. we want something, we have a desire, we want to see that desire fulfilled, we want to see the desire filled when? Wow. Now. Yeah, immediate. <laughs> what do we want? When do we want it? Now, right? This is where it gets um, really personal because every single situation where we have to, where we, we find ourselves having to tolerate uh, an offensive person or an evil person, uh, we have this person in our lives, or every single situation where we find ourselves in circumstances that are offensive or evil or not good or good is being delayed or there's something unjust happening. Every time we find ourselves there, God didn't have to put us there. At the very least, he didn't have to allow that to happen. You're, you're frustrated, resentful towards a, a bad boss or a bad spouse or a bad friend. Well, deep down, you know, God didn't have to give you that boss or that spouse or that friend. Or you're resentful about a bad circumstances, uh, an economic downturn or the collapse of a business or the loss of a job or stay-at-home orders. Well, deep down, we know God didn't have to put us in this situation. He chose to and allowed us to be in these situations. When we are impatient, we are telling God, your schedule sucks. <laughs> You're not doing a good job. You are not doing a good job. It, Let me tell you <laughs> how this should have gone. Yeah. You should not have allowed those people. You should not have allowed those circumstances. Your time, your sense of time, right? I have a desire. There's fulfillment of that desire. And when it happens, should be up to me, mm. not up to you. And it's like we're going to God and saying, okay, hey, you know what? You can be king of the whole universe. All I want to be in control of is the schedule. Can I have that little bit? Can I just have the time? You can be king of everything else. I just want to be king of this. I want to be king of my universe. You can be king of everyone else's universes. So let's go back to the definition just briefly. What is patience or patient endurance? It's the insertion of active time between a desire and the fulfillment of that desire so that we can examine the desire, the fulfillment, and the timing of it and give that over to God. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I said I wanted to both explore what, uh, what patience is and also what it protects us against. So that's what it is. Okay. Now, what patience protects us against, hmm. okay. I found fascinating as I learned about this and I've been super excited to, to share it. So Yeah. So patience protects us against the whole, the whole history of Christian understanding interpretation of the virtue or the fruit of patience has seen it as the, the active protection against our reason. So our ability to think and understand the world well, right? Okay, we have to be able to understand the world correctly if we're going to act righteously right. or act justly. Right. And what, uh, what, what Augustine and Aquinas and all the moralists after them saw was that sorrow, the feeling we get when a desire is left unfulfilled, mm. 
overwhelms mm. our reason to the point where we no longer see the world correctly and then don't act justly. So mm. patience has been seen historically as the virtue or the fruit that guards our hearts against inordinate sorrow. Inordinate sorrow. So gr grief, sorrow. Yeah. disappointment mm. uh, with, with the world or things or other people not going the way the way we wanted it yeah, to go. And, yeah. and that leads to a need to fix things or a response that can be really unhealthy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so let me give an example of this kind of sorrow that I'm yeah. talking about. Um, and I'm going to take this opportunity to rag on my father-in-law a little bit. <laughs> of course. Every opportunity you get, right? Yeah. So do you use any of those uh, like wayfinding apps like Google Maps or yeah. Waze yeah, or sure. MapQuest or anything like that? Okay. So we all do when you're going some, or at least I use them when I'm going somewhere unfamiliar or new. When, right. you know, in the past I would have pulled out a paper map and now I say, hey, take me to wherever, right? Yeah. Do you use it when you're traveling on roads you already know well? Um, yeah, like sure. you're driving to your daughter's house or your brother's house or something yeah. like that. Yeah, sure. Cause yeah, I, why, you know, the roads, I might find a faster way to get there. There <laughs> might be road construction on 465. Okay. So traffic. avoid the construction, right. save time. Yeah. Right. Because those, those eight minutes, I mean, it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. So I, I'm talking about my father-in-law because Every time he drives from Iowa to here or from here back home to where they live in Iowa, uh, he pulls up Google Maps and puts yeah. in the destination and then spends the whole trip watching it estimate his arrival time. Oh, there's a five-minute slowdown in Peoria. Oh, there's a 30-minute slowdown in the Quad Cities. Oh, there's a 15-minute slowdown. Okay. Yeah, so what's, I mean, right, we're just, we're trying to avoid delays and wasting time, right? What's the problem? Well, the problem is inordinate sorrow. Let me okay. put it to you in a question. Would you rather get in the car and say to yourself, hey, this drive is going to take me roughly six hours, barring traffic, and then have a six and a half hour long drive that was pleasant, enjoyable, except for the half hour where you were slowed down in Peoria? Or would you rather uh, get into the car, uh, put in your destination, and then watch the app for six hours and 15 minutes of anxiety of not knowing if you're going to get there, when you think you're going to get there, or when you're going to get slowed down because there's stuff coming up ahead that otherwise you wouldn't have known about. And you save 15 minutes, but you also spend six hours and 15 minutes with inordinate sorrow and anxiety. That sounds like a question I'm supposed to have the answer. <laughs> supposed to, the, yeah. the, I know what the answer is for me because I've experienced both of those trips with him driving. Sure, <laughs> sure. Because it creates the expectation in us that it should take. It should have been shorter and it's not. There should have been less time between my desire to be there and the fulfillment of that desire. Let me, let me put the, the question another way. Again, back to the grocery store line. Yeah. Okay. So two people are in the same line at Kroger or wherever you shop and uh, the line's long and it's slow. And one of them is impatient and one of them is patient. Mm. They both experience the same thing, <laughs> a slowdown in the grocery store line. One gets home five minutes late and his overall disposition is unaffected because you know what? Lines happen and it's no big deal. The other gets home five minutes late and is just all, oh my gosh, and he goes to, he calls or texts or talks to somebody is like, oh man, I had to wait like 15 minutes in line at the grocery store and oh, it was ridiculous. This person in front of me kept dropping her onions on the floor and I couldn't and, and just, 
Which would you rather be? Well, obviously, I'd rather get home in a good mood and not have been stressed out. Right. Even if that cost me an extra five minutes from standing in a longer line, yeah. you know, when you can look at it that way. Patience is the virtue, the fruit that protects us against inordinate sorrow, against sorrow we don't have to experience. So really, I think the question boils down to which, which one of those two guys do we want to be? Do you want to be the guy who goes home um, largely unaffected because he's learned how to put a little time between his desire and the fulfillment of it? Or do you want to go home as the guy who has to be warned, like James says in verse 9, do not grumble against one another, right? Because a, a grumble, uh, when it's planted and watered and fertilized and cultivated, grows into this poisonous fruit mm. that poisons our experiences, like the experience at the grocery store. Mm. It, it, uh, it poisons our relationships. Now he's coming home to a friend or a spouse or a kid or whatever and, and poisoning them against, he, he's destroying their patience. Uh, it deadens our ability to love other people sacrificially, especially as we talked about with the fruit uh, on love the first week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it collapses even our very sense of time itself as we experience this sorrow and time stretches mm. out. Mm. It, it, yeah, it's, it's not for nothing that Paul begins his great exposition on love mm. by saying love is... Patient. Patient, exactly. So how do we grow in patience? Yeah, that, that's a great question because, you know, to define it, great. We learned something new, but we don't want to just define patience. We want to grow in patience. We specifically want other people that we interact with regularly to grow in patience. That's right, right? So take this sermon and text it to all of your friends. Uh, we, seriously, we need to grow in patience as well. So three brief ideas. How do we grow? First, responsible participation. We've been talking about this throughout the series. This is the cooperation between us and God, that he has a part in our growth and we have a part in our growth. He plants the seed, we water it and cultivate it, the seed that grows into the fruit of the Spirit, one flavor of which is patience. So what do we do? Well, in one sense, we do for patience what we do for all the fruit of the Spirit, uh, for every flavor of it. Uh, and I've got five basic things that, that kind of work in a circle uh, that we do. First, we look to Scripture. What does Scripture teach about this fruit? Sure. Right, and that's, that's been a great part of uh, this whole series, I think, looking at each fruit or each flavor of the fruit one at a time and saying, okay, what does Paul say about that? What does James say about right. that? What, you know, what does Peter say about that in these different places? So we look to Scripture, but we also look to stories okay. in Scripture and outside of Scripture. Okay. Stories show us how uh, different virtues or vices play out in a life. Uh, it, it's, it's right here in this verse. Uh, see how the farmer, in verse 7, see how the farmer, you're in an agriculture society, you're familiar with this rhythm, oh, see how the farmer is patient. There's a story there of how that farmer became patient that you can learn from and sort of see it in action. Uh, we also look to examples. Okay, Scripture, so different from stories, story. Example. So yeah, people. A story, uh, a narrative with a plot. An example, okay. it's like, hey, look at this person. A person, right. And here it is again in the verse. Uh, verse uh, 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets. Uh, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. 
And you've seen the purpose of the Lord, that he's compassionate and merciful. So there's examples in Scripture, and we have family members, we have elders, we have people in the church who are examples of the fruit of the Spirit to us. Uh, Scripture, stories, examples, but also community. Other, the community of God's people. The community right around us, right? Every single one of these New Testament letters is Mm. written to be read by a community, even the ones specifically to a person like Titus or Philemon, right? They were very quickly copied right? because people said, the guy, first guy who read it went, oh, this, is, this would be helpful for other people I know. And they made copies and copies and copies and sent them around because they're, they're read together. We practice the virtues. We learn the fruit. We grow in the fruit together. It, we are not supposed to grow in the fruit simply so that we, uh, as individuals, become whatever, better, cleaner, right? A, a cleaned vessel, when you clean your dishes, you don't clean your dishes so that they're clean. You clean them so you can use them. You clean them so they can do something for you and with you. Uh, in this community, we, we have a mission. We worship. We, we, we need to be unified. That's why we grow in the fruit of the Spirit together, but also because it's where the stories and the examples are and where we read Scripture together and where we are, learn how to practice mm. the fruit. We practice patience, just like with your nine-year-old in line at the grocery store or you to yourself in the grocery store saying, I chose this line, I can be patient. Mm. You practice, you don't feel patient, but you do it anyway. And after a while, it becomes second nature until you just do it and you don't even realize there's faster lines on either side of you because, not because you're playing Candy Crush, but simply because you don't have to measure your time in those brief few seconds you would have saved Mm. by having a, a less slow checkout person running the desk. So responsible participation through this cycle of scripture, stories, example, community, practice. It's that way for all of the fruit. But for this one specifically, I think there's a great question for us to ask, which is, who gets your time? Who gets my time? Who gets your time? Jeff, who are you willing to give time, your time to, and who do you say that person does not get my time, which is really another way of saying that person doesn't deserve my time. Mm. Right? The impatient person in line at the grocery store is the guy who is standing there saying, all of these peons here are offending my majesty. Don't they realize I am the most important person in this room? My time is the most valuable. Why won't they get out of my way and let me control my time? So, Who are you willing to give your time to or control of your time Mm, to? mm. A boss or a coworker or a spouse or a friend or your kids or a client or who who gets your time? Mm. It's a good question for reflection. Yeah. So remember, every time we're impatient, we're saying to God, I don't like the way you're scheduling my life. And we're saying to the people around us, I'm sorry, but you don't deserve my time. You don't understand how much better I am than you are. This is, this, this is mine to control, not yours. Or, and are we also saying to God, you're wrong to think that those people deserve my time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, that brings us, I think, to the third, uh, this third idea under application. How do we grow? We have to keep in mind the patience mm. of God. Mm the patience that God has shown toward us. You know, in, in Paul's first letter to Timothy, Timothy's a young pastor, and Paul's writing, hey, man, here's how you lead a church. 
Here, here's the basics. Look for these kind of leaders. Do these kind yeah. of things. Teach these kind of things, right? In the beginning, he says, here's the gospel. This is my paraphrase. saying, here's the gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest one. Mm. And then he goes on to say, uh, all glory and honor and power and majesty to the one king, immortal, invisible, the only God. But do you know what verse comes in between those two? I have to... Because I skipped one. Those are two great verses we pull out and are like, oh, this is the gospel. Jesus saved me, the chief of sinners. Oh, to the, to the king, immortal, invisible, the God only wise as we sing it, right? In the middle, he says, I receive mercy, mm. the, the biggest of sinners, so that everyone would see how patient Jesus is. So that everyone would see the surpassing patience, the magnificent patience of Jesus Christ. Mm. Think about what's going on here. Paul wasn't joking around when he said he's the biggest sinner. I mean, you read Acts and read what he's done, what he did to the church, what he did to Jesus. And Jesus has a fully just desire for sin to be punished. But in between the desire and its fulfillment, Mm. he gave Paul time. He said, let me extend to you a gracious, merciful gift, Mm. time, Mm. time Mm. to repent, time to turn, time to come back to me. Karl Barth says that all of God's activity in the world boils down to the patient extension of time Mm. to the Mm. sinner, Mm. to us. Think of, okay, we offend God daily with our sin and our idolatry our profanity, and our self-salvation and self-importance and self-pity. And day after day after day, God extends to us the gracious gift of time. Mm. Time which takes his mercy and and deepens it because it Mm. extends it. It, it, So when you're in a situation where you're tempted toward impatience, remember the patience of God toward you. Remember the patience of God when he didn't call the judgment you deserved on you in that moment, but said, in my mercy, I will give him, I will give her time. It is only to the extent that we understand how God has been patient with us that we can then be patient with others. If we think that that we're such highfalutin people that God had to save us, and boy, was he lucky to have us, we will have no patience for anyone else. But if we understand that as the chief of sinners, the biggest ones, the biggest sinners we know. Hmm. Biggest sinners our wives know, for sure. For sure, that that God still extended patience to us. He gave us time. Then we can, it's like, okay, Jesus took the nails. I suppose I can take a five-minute delay of traffic. Jesus said, I can be patient with you. Can you be patient for me? And let me close with this. You know, you and I meet regularly with a a coach, a former pastor who helps us figure out how to lead better, how to work better together, all those things. Great coach. He kind of acts as a spiritual director, I think, for us a little bit as well. Definitely for me. Uh, So I had a one-on-one with him where he he put this question to me uh, a couple weeks ago. He said, how are you doing, you know, with all of this? How are you doing? And I had to admit, you know, not, not great. 
a lot of the quarantine has shifted my responsibilities away from the stuff that I just really thrive on towards things that I feel inadequate or, or not as good as you and Nathan and Tom at. And so it's, I get, um, you guys have noticed, uh, grouchy, maybe a little less pleasant to work with, no comments please, but I, I at least see in myself a little more grumbling, a little more complaining, a lot more complaining. Um, so he said, how are you doing? And I'm saying, you know, I think I'm at the point where I've realized, like, I don't thrive well in work that doesn't give me life. I think what I need to do is go to the other guys and say, hey, for my own health and the health of the church, I need to focus on these areas. Can you guys take the rest of it? And he just kind of looked at me through the screen and he said, that's a solution. He said, you have a choice though. You can rearrange your circumstances to avoid the lesson God is teaching you. Hmm. Or you can stay where you are and maybe learn the patience that God is calling you to. Mm. What about you? Do you want to rearrange your circumstances right now in order to get out from under needing to learn the lesson that God has for us in this? Or are you going to put in the work to learn today's lesson today, tomorrow's lesson tomorrow, and next week's lesson the week after that, and be patient, in learning patience to the glory of God. Can I pray for us? Please do. Father in heaven, uh, what can we say except all praise and honor and thanks to you for your patience to us, your patient endurance um, through our lives, Father. You have been working and patiently arranging circumstances and people and situations to accomplish your will in us and through us. Thank you, Father. God, help us to grow, to be people who would participate responsibly with the work that you have begun in us, to grow to reflect more of your patience to us in Christ for your glory and for our good and our growth in Christ-likeness. Father, would you strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. God bless.